Well, hello, everyone. Thanks for joining me today on Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. We're really excited to have uh, Carlo Massimo. Carlo is uh, he's here with us, and he's a journalist who covers cybersecurity, international tech policy, a former contributing editor at the Wilson Center's Wilson Quarterly. Carlo writes Citizen Tech, Information Week's monthly policy column, and contributes to Dark Readings Profile, Uh, Today, he's speaking on his own behalf, but you can follow Carlo on Twitter, and I'd urge you to do so at uh, Carlo Massimo, that's with two S's, and six, six, no number sign, just six. So welcome, Carlo. Great to have you on the podcast for the first time, and we look forward to having you on, you know, more times, but welcome. Thank you so much, Mike. It's great to be here. So, Carlo, you wrote, and I, I saw this in Information Week, and just to put it in context, 30 years ago, Information Week was one of the most sort of popular in the telecommunications legal area, was like one of the top publications, tech publications and business publications that everybody followed. So congratulations on that. But you wrote a fascinating article. 30 years ago, 30 years ago, I was two years old. I know. (laughs) But, and, and I didn't have all this gray hair. And so, but you wrote a fascinating article recently, and it was called Legislators Gear Up to Take on Cloud Outages. And I got to start with your opening sentence, because you caught me with this. You said, quote, the U.S., U.K., and E.U. are all weighing regulations that would consider cloud companies, quote unquote, critical infrastructure and require they meet resiliency standards. And that just caught me, and I wonder if the industry is really ready for all of that. And so can you fill us in, like, you know, what brought you to this topic and and what your perspective was on it? Sure. As far as whether the industry is ready for it, all all the the quantitative signs suggest that it is. But the data that I've looked at from this year shows that over half, I believe, RightScale's data says 57% of companies are moving workload to the cloud, and that includes small to mid-sized businesses. In fact, there's a there's been a, a 38% increase among small and mid-sized businesses in in, in shifting data to, to cloud-based solutions. You know, industries like everybody's moving to the cloud. You know, in right. one way or another, and what the the concern that people have from the cybersecurity world is. Are they, in financial institutions in particular, they're putting a lot of sensitive data up into the cloud, and are they ready for this? You know, and what what do they need they to do? They don't feel ready for it. I, yeah. I'm, I'm sure you've heard this before, but while we haven't seen any extraordinarily serious problems or, or, or exploits in, uh, in in breaches like you know, related to, to cloud storage, we've seen, I mean, the, the AWS uh, Capital One breach was a serious enough warning, I think. And which I think everybody has to put into context is you noted the concentration in the cloud industry, which is dominated by Amazon or AWS, Google, IBM, right. and Microsoft, IBM. All, all the usual subs, suspects. And the implications that could have on financial institution clients, because if one of those has a breach, that could be devastating if you have, let's say, more than one financial institution in being handled. Right. And consider that these are international. This isn't just a concentration in the United States or a concentration in sort of Western markets. This is all over the world. Uh, Alibaba is actually another 
has their own web services and 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 cloud services. But yeah, this is this is worldwide. You contrasted with the U.S., the EU, and the U.K., and they appear to be sort of ahead of the U.S. in responding to this risk. Do you think that's that's true? Yes and no. They're ahead. I mean, the, the EU is generally ahead on on, on these kinds of matters, and uh, uh, we can come back to the EU. The United States has taken steps towards securing cloud cloud security and financial markets and, and other infrastructure. There was, for instance, an act in 2021, it was one of the first acts by, during the Biden administration of this kind, which mandated new protocols for, for cloud computing products and, and, and assessment pen tests and, and, and that kind of thing, all, all sorts of new protocols. Uh, specifically for cloud solutions. The problem was that it wasn't for third-party infrastructure. It was only for the federal government, which is an enormous oversight, I think. It's a gap. I mean, you know, but Carlo, I have always said there are all these mandates on the federal government, and those are supposed to influence the private industry, and they have loose standards. The NIST has put out a lot of standards and all that. But to me, it's like... Man, it, mandating the private sector to do this is just like a hill they'll never overcome. Well, it's kind of ironic. On the hill, they'll never overcome that hill. On the hill, right. On, on the hill, they'll never overcome it. That's right. That's, you know, it, it, at a certain point, it becomes a political decision rather than a, a strictly business or, or sort of practical economic re- regulatory decision. Until there's an appetite in the United States for that kind of you know, for that kind of active government role in in uh, in in private infrastructure, we're not we're not going to say anything like it. I'll, I'll, I can give you an example of this. CISA had a meeting with all the big all the big wigs of of cloud security this year, and the long and the short of it was that they made it clear that that the White House is relying on companies to sort of you know, take care of this by themselves. Accenture, Linux, all them. There's absolutely no mandate. Right. Suggestions, suggestions for certification capacity, suggestions for staff training, et cetera, et cetera. But absolutely no mandates. And this is from a democratic administration. Uh, it's, it's not really a question of the, the you know, the, the, the Democrats want to, want to mandate everything and are obsessed with regulation and the, and the Republicans are absolutely allergic to it. I think it's, it's, it's really a question of American political culture. And it's the reason that these, you know, the discussion of these kinds of regulations is so much easier in the European Union, for instance, where although the European Parliament and, and European governments generally are dominated by the center-right, it's a center-right that's much more comfortable with, with these kind of mandates, with, with this kind of regulatory stance. That, to me, is fascinating because... But like the EU is ahead of us or they're more aggressive. Like we see issues now in antitrust, you see it in other areas where they'll impose uh, requirements. I think Google is in the process of settling four major cases with the EU on data privacy, but yet we don't have a prosecution here in the United States. They seem more willing to impose on some of these large companies Fines and 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 it's interesting to me that what you're saying about the politics, like the center right, doesn't go like the Republican right in terms of laissez-faire towards business and things like that. 
Is that what you, is that your point? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a, it's a gross simplification, but generally that's true. I I think generally we're seeing a shift in in attitudes away from the kind of uh, like you say, laissez faire, you know, eighties nineties style economics toward a more muscular state. You know where you see that too, Carlo, is um, data privacy and the course, the, right. the EU put in, you know, the GDPR. And that's like a very, and that, and then what happens is the EU ends up being the global leader that people then copy Absolutely. for regulatory purposes. Singapore is copying that's, them. Have you noticed India that too? copied them. California, the state of California copied it. Yeah. So that's, so in a sense where we would lead maybe with uh, a bill being passed or legislative structure, it, some issues are now going to the EU and then being handled and so, and these are obviously, as cloud companies, they're global companies. So they're going to be right. subject to this regulation no matter what. And if I'm a compliance person, then they're the lowest common denominator. I'll design my whole system to comply with the EU requirements. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm not going to segregate it. That's, yes, that's, that's absolutely true. I would, caution, I would caution your listeners, though, that the um, upcoming regulation about cloud security in finance or, or cloud security generally, it, it, it's not coming tomorrow. It's, it's going to take a long time. This summer, the European Council and the European Parliament announced that they had come to an understanding over what they're calling the Digital uh, Operational Resilience Act, which is an enormous framework. It's another one of these huge regulatory frameworks like GDPR, which is going to be all about cloud security and, and you know, digital uh, resilience, <laughs> as, the, as the name implies. The, the problem with that, the, the, the proposal came from the European Council and not necessarily from the European Commission, which means that it's, the European Union is not going to pass it into law. It's going to have to wait for all the member states to pass it into law. And then all kinds of regulatory agencies within the European Union, the, um, oh, the banking authority, for instance, and the, the, the securities authority are all going to have to come up with protocol um, to, to match this. So we're not really going to see any action for, oh Lord, I don't know, maybe a year. I, I, would, I would say a year at least. So it, it's very slow. It, it's, it's, a very, um, uh, it's a very administrative, it's a very bureaucratic process, a very Humphrey Appleby kind of process. Um, so I don't, I don't think, I, I do think it's, it's, uh, it's monumental, but it's, um, it, it, it'll move at a monumental pace, let's say that. Yeah, and that's a lot different, like when you see just, by contrast, AML, when the EU adopts an AML framework and they, they've had up to four directives, then there's a requirement that the member states enact it within a certain amount of time. The, what, the way you're describing is a totally different procedure than when you have a directive from the EU, and that must reflect the council versus the commission, right? Right, exactly. Okay. Well, hey, look, we can also learn about, uh, you know, governance here. Yeah, a little bit of everything. I'm, I'm glad to help. Um, I, can, I can also mention that uh, the UK has been looking into this, but uh, specifically in the, in the financial sector. Um, but they're, what they've published so far, it, it's, been a, it's been an initiative of the, of the Bank of England. Uh, oh, really? The, Not the, the, uh, the FCA or, or the, oh, the Treasury, the... Uh, 
um, the, the Her Majesty's whatever treasury they call it or something like that. Right. Oh, His Majesty's now. His Majesty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have to get used to saying that. Oh, uh, yeah, that's <laughs> true. I hope the pen, um, all I do is I hope the pen works. That's all when they're writing it. So, uh, oh Lord, yeah. if you, give him his quill. Yeah, get, um, yeah, exactly. The, this initiative, it's not really initiative at all. It was just a, a paper that was released, uh, fairly recently looking into the possibility of, of regulating, uh, uh, what they call critical infrastructure in the future. That's infrastructure critical to the financial sector, not necessarily restricted to the financial sector. So AWS or whoever could be, um, you know, subject to these potential future regulations. So that's another area to track. But, but this is a very, it's it's a very, this is a this is moving very slowly. Yeah, but it's another area to track because, um, you know, with Brexit and all of that, the uh, you know we've noticed the UK is wanting to make a mark in certain areas, so they're pushing mm-hmm. to you know, hey, we do it differently than the EU. You know, to make their they point. They did that in the they did that in the universal power plug matter this right. did you, did you, uh, <laughs> no, I didn't see that. that. No. The EU the EU uh, <laughs> mandated uh, I think this was this was the commission, I'm sure. Yeah. Mandated that within a year or so all power plug uh, outlets have to be universal. So we don't have to travel with seven different plug uh, so setups. You, so you don't need a bag of you know yeah, yeah. sixteen different <laughs> wires. And and the UK refused to uh, um, refuse to enact or even contemplate a similar. Wow! But uh, that shows you. I have a UK specific, you know, prong three prong thing. So whatever. But you know what's You're weird? Mind in this. Yeah, I know. But uh, but the other thing that I think may happen, Carlo, in the US is if the Congress and I'll, I'll talk about the Congress because I have to relate it. Sure. But before we get to that. Um, you know, I hear rumblings and you can see rumblings from some of the regulatory, banking regulatory agencies that are inquiring like, okay, as part of your controls, what, you know, financial institutions, what are you doing for cybersecurity? And in particular, the use of cloud storage of financial data. And maybe the OCC and the, you know, uh, and uh maybe they're going and treasury, whatever other, the federal reserve is going to end up trying to fill the gap where we should get a a federal law in place. And that may happen sooner than I think because they're pretty active, these agencies right now. It could be, if it's going to happen the way it will happen that way, sort of through the back door, there's not much appetite in Congress. Um, uh, Congresswoman Porter of uh, of California and and uh, Velasquez of New York have have um, suggested that uh, this is really a Dodd Frank issue, uh, and and that's what what the Dodd Frank Act calls system systemically systemically I think systemically important financial market utilities is a category broad enough to include uh, cloud cloud storage. Yeah, you cited that in your article. I noticed that right. And that, um, and there, and maybe, maybe they'll, you know, convince, or maybe Treasury will go at it through a classification, uh, or, you know, and I think that would that would impose some real requirements because if it falls under that requirement under Dodd Frank, then they're going to be able to prescribe specific rules and controls and basic controls that are going to be needed. So it's the most probable way. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, I can tell you just uh, just to bring up an old war story. You know, I for when I was on Capitol Hill, we worked you know bipartisan support for federal privacy and cybersecurity legislation. We worked really hard on it to get it done. And to be honest with you, the tech companies uh, opposed it and fought us, and they had a lot of support, as did the trial lawyers who bring class actions based on data breaches. And when you get those two constituencies against you, it's almost impossible, even though we had good solutions. And now, so as a result of that, you have data breach and all these data things that are set by each of the states. And then it becomes whichever state has the most rigorous uh, requirements, like, you know, with regard to cybersecurity, those become uh, sort of the standard for everybody. And I just think, and it's interesting because I was going to ask you, like, the e- why the EU moves faster, but I th- or could move faster here. And I think uh, you explained, I think, their their general attitude towards regulation in general in this area. Yes, I don't think they'll move faster necessarily. Uh, nothing moves faster in the European Union uh, as far as legislation goes um, or, or any other political decision. Um, but uh, there's more of an appetite for it. There's also, you know, the, there's also a question of, you know, the big tech companies are largely Californian. And that means that uh, they're, they're foreign entities. When the European when European lawmakers deal with Google or Amazon or, or Apple or whomever, they're dealing with a foreign entity. American lawmakers are dealing with a domestic entity, and that changes the complexion of of the relationship. Yeah, that makes well, that makes total sense. I mean, look, they don't have a constituency that's ready, to, you know, that that has as, as much influence over the organization. You know, as right. in the United States, they give a lot of money. The tech companies give a lot of money to a lot of people. And uh, and obviously, as California-based, they have a lot of constituencies uh, dependent on them. Right. Although it's interesting that the um, uh, DOTA, the, the, the uh, Digital Operational Resilience Act, which is being sort of slowly laid out in, in, in the, across the European Union, uh, mandates that foreign companies... Uh, foreign tech companies have to open a um, uh, uh, a subsidiary in the European Union. Yeah, that's well. I think that's you know why they want to have the regulatory hook over them, and that makes total exactly. sense. That makes total sense to me. You got to set up a subsidiary here, and in uh, that way, we always have jurisdiction over you. We don't. There's never going to be a question about jurisdiction over those entities. That's that's like if you want access to this market you got to be subject to our regulation. And you know what? Right. Look, the EU in a lot of areas is a lot tougher on a lot of issues. I mean, I've done work in the financial sector, and they're tougher uh, regulators than even our SEC in some areas, okay? They just, in general, uh, they feel that there's more, you know, there's more calling for them to regulate these things, and they get involved in Absolutely. a lot of details. Especially on the top. Yeah. Commissioner Vestaga is... Uh is um, she's a tough old soldier. Yeah, but that's true, and that, that's true. So, well, one last uh, topic, uh, Carlo, because uh, I appreciate your time, is we we had the uh, case example uh, involving, and you mentioned it in the beginning, of the hack of Capital One's credit card data and the former Amazon web service engineer. She was just found guilty 
uh, of seven counts of fraud in Seattle District Court for stealing personal data. But, you know, it's kind of a tragic case because I think she was, uh, you know, mentally unbalanced. And she even when she posted about it, she was asking for psychiatric help. Um, I don't know how she ended up going to trial and getting convicted, but, you know, she's going to get jail time for sure. But she was, but what she did, she was a former uh, Amazon web service engineer. She knew where the vulnerabilities were in Amazon's web service, and she was able to find where Capital One failed to take certain steps with AWS in the way that they integrated the services together. And that led to... I mean, stealing and making available personal data from 100 million customers. And then basically Capital One ended up spending over $270 million in compensation and regulatory fines. And this was all, the, and what was pretty clear from when I reviewed the case, it was, it was all preventable. And had their, you know, at first Capital One tried to tell AWS, hey, this was your fault, but then AWS was able to show, no, 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 this was your fault, and it was your protocol and your integration process that was vulnerable, and this woman, being a really good engineer, was able to find those vulnerabilities. Yeah, it makes it hard, it makes it hard to have someone like that on the inside. You can have all the zero trust protocols you want if you have someone on the inside who wants to, you know, who is interested in that. You know, but Carlo, you point out, I mean, that's a really good, and, and there's a statistic about cybersecurity breaches. Almost 40 to 50% are malign actors or inside actors who gain, who know, gain knowledge. So it shows you that even to the extent you build protocols and you were to regulate whatever you're going to regulate, if you have a bad actor within your company who knows everything, that, like a former engineer or whatever, right. That's the, that's the danger. You can regulate everything. And I always tell people, you know, you got to look internally. You got to monitor your employees. And if you have suspects or people who are acting suspiciously around this, you got to sort of follow up on it before you get something like this. Yes. And to be, and to be fair to CISA, I, I, um, I, was, I was mean to them earlier, but um, uh, part, of, part of their the summit they held with, with Linux and Accenture and everyone else uh, this summer was about you know, employee training and, and uh, you know, in, internal discipline, that kind of thing. Um, it, it, it is important. It is monumentally important. And you threw out some good statistics in the beginning. But I found this uh, where the Cloud Security Alliance put out that 91% of financial services organizations are now using cloud services or plan to use them in the next six to nine months and that's a doubling of what was reported four years ago. And that's what... It's exploding. Ma- it's exploding, Carlo. And that's what makes your article uh, so timely. And I'm going to... We'll put in the show notes uh, here a link to your article. But to me, that means that this issue, it's not going away. It's just going to keep getting bigger, like you know you were pointing out, in your article that this is just the beginning of what's going to be more. Absolutely. We also, I, I, I think we passed over this point uh, very briefly in the beginning, but CISA has a list of what they call the, the 16 critical, critical infrastructure sectors, which includes, you know, nuclear, which includes medical, uh, you know, 
uh, agricultural. It includes financial uh, financial services. So we are we are talking about infrastructure that has already been recognized by the federal by the U.S. federal government as as critical and and subject to to special attention as such. And for I mean for obvious reasons. I mean for obvious reasons. Yeah, for the lifeblood of the economy, and these data breaches can be significant. So what I'm you know, it, it seems to me like there there should be more responsive government to tackle this issue, particularly when you, in light of your observation that this is a bigger, you know, growing area. You know what I'm saying? It's just double. It doubled in four years. It's going to it'll be close to 100 percent at some point because everybody's going to the cloud. Well, the, the data that I haven't seen, which I would like to see, is the status level percentage of satisfaction or re- reported satisfaction among among IT leaders in the financial sector and in other sectors. And I, I would love to be able to compare that with an expansion of, of cloud migrations and, and, uh, and shifts to these kinds of solutions. That's the, and that's a great point. Because I have a feeling that satisfaction goes down in relation to uh, you know, the expansion of these, of these solutions. Oh, interesting. I don't know that, but I, I, have a, I have a suspicion that they don't move in tandem. Okay, well, Carlo, hey, thanks so much. We appreciate your time. Thank you so much. It's been great to be here. And when you, uh, if somebody wants to get in contact with you and uh, sort of follow up on any of these issues, how should they reach you? What's the best way to get in touch with you? Honestly, Twitter is probably the best way. My handle is uh, Carlo Massimo, C-A-R-L-O-M-A-S-S-I-M-O, number six. No symbols. No No symbols, nothing. Okay. And we'll have you... Send me a DM. It's no problem. Okay. And and if issues uh, come up, you know, around this, we'd love to have you back for like an update. And uh, and we'll keep you... We want to have you here regularly. Uh, We keep in touch. We have a couple of other regular guests, uh, like in the anti-corruption area and whatever. But you write a lot of great stuff on, on the tech sector. And uh, I think, you know, we need to keep you here with us, okay? I'm looking forward to it. All right. Thanks, Carlo. And uh, thanks, everybody. We'll see you uh, next week with another episode. This has been our first episode with the new formatting and our new, you know, shiny shiny, uh, logo and everything else. So I'm glad to bring in the new world with Carlo. Okay? Thanks, Carlo. See ya. Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkov Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. You can learn more about the legal and compliance services we offer at our website, www.volkovlaw.com. You can also follow our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our podcast series. You can contact Michael Volkov at his email address, mvolkov at volkovlaw.com.